0: following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center Minneapolis Minnesota as part of the weekly Dharma series
1: okay well welcome everyone it's great to see you all Um, my name is Mira Mira Young and some of you are familiar with me. I've been part of the community for many decades. <laughs> and um, I'm uh, honored to support Mark as, as he is taking some time away this week. Uh, and before I start formally, I just want to say that um, I don't know many of you were here Sunday evening, um, but if you weren't here Sunday evening, um, this is not a recommendation. This is a request. Please listen to the Dharma talk that was given on January 2nd by Kyoto Kyoko Katayama. It's just a profound transmission of a journey of um, living and dying and being present with it all. Very, very profound and inspiring. So tonight, um, I... I thought that I would share about the, this talk is called The Intimacy of Beginner's Mind. You have to excuse me. I'm not used to this. And I don't know if any of you had orthodontia, but you know, one of those things. It feels like I've got that going on from the back. And I remember that, you know, the rubber bands and all. So it's a little awkward. If I seem kind of strange, I feel kind of like that. So uh, this is the intimacy of beginner's mind, a recipe for freedom, and the subtitle is—you um, don't have to put this in the on the um, recording. Oh no, not another New Year's talk! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in beginning this, I have a confession to make. Um, first of all, I thought when I thought about beginnings and, and new beginnings and what beginnings mean, um, beginner's mind came to mind. And my confession is is that I think that um, we teach and we study what we need to learn. And I think um, living from embodying beginner's mind is, is not the easiest thing for me to do. And lately, um, I feel like Mara, the god of delusion has been visiting me and kicking up some of my old patterns and noticing a little more negativity, a little more judging, a little more reactivity. So um, I thought, wow, yeah, um, this is perfect. I'm going to talk about beginner's mind, which is don't know mind. And I don't know much about it (laughs) other than Um, what I'm going to share tonight. So Jack Cornfield says that enlightenment is intimacy with all things. Dogen says awakened mind is as boundless intimacy. Awakened in mind is boundless intimacy. To be enlightened is to be intimate with all things. And of course, we're familiar with, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. But in the experts, there are few, says Suzuki Roshi. I'd like to share a little poem about beginner's mind by William Stafford. You reading this, be ready. Starting here, what do you want to remember? How the sunlight creeps along a shining floor. What the scent of old wood hovers. What softened sound from outside fills the air. Will you ever bring a better gift for this world than breathing respect that you carry wherever you go right now? Breathing respect that you carry wherever you go right now. Are you waiting for a time to show you some better thoughts? Are we waiting for a time to show us some better thoughts? When you turn around starting here, lift this new glimpse that you found. Lift this new glimpse that you found. Carry into evening all that you want from this day. This interval you spend reading or hearing this Keep it for life. What can anyone give you greater than now, starting here, right in this room, when you turn around? Thank you, William Stafford. Some aspects, um, and I'll go into some more definitions and examples of beginner's mind. Some aspects that I reflected on, and of course there's many aspects of beginner's mind practice. One is opening to the mystery, not knowing, don't know mind, <coughs> trusting mindfulness and courage, the courage to look at things again and again. Our our capacity, trusting our capacity that we can be mindful, that we can be awake, that we can open and come home in the present moment. And beginning again, returning again and again. And the fourth is letting go, that we can let go. Pema children says a recipe for freedom is to pause, to stop, to interrupt many times and begin again and again. Suzuki Roshi says, we pay attention with respect and interest, not in order to manipulate, but to understand what is true. And seeing what is true, the heart becomes free. Curious. Openness. So a little wisdom from Garfield. One of my beginner's mind teachers is the comics. There's Garfield. Maybe some of you saw it. It was Sunday. I thought that the Sunday um, paper had some really good Dharma comics in it. (coughs) Here's Garfield sitting. It looks like he's sitting out in his yard under the stars. You just see the back of him sitting like a Buddha, Buddha cat. What a lovely night. All the stars are out, is his thought bubble. And then he walks inside the house, the Garfield's walk. And then he takes the remote, clicks it on. And it says, now yodeling with the stars. (laughs) The next moment, his owner, the guy he owns, comes in and says, Garfield, and the chair is empty. And where's Garfield? Here he clicked on the remote. He's invited to watch Yodeling with the Stars. The next moment, the chair is empty. His John says Garfield, and then here he is, last rain. He's back out there, sitting like a Buddha under the stars. So that's our invitation. You know, is the remote on, or are we really here under the stars? And if you'll indulge me a little wisdom from Dilbert. Um, <clears throat> I don't usually read Dilbert. It's sort of tiresome to me. I'm not in the corporate world, thank God. I mean, so um, he anyway. I think he has a little insight here about his mind state. Um, he's invited to be joined to the other folks for lunch, and he says, "Where are we going?" Well, of course they don't know. They haven't decided yet. And he says, in that case, no. He says, I can't stand watching a small group of people trying to make a a trying decision. It makes me lose all faith in humanity. Food doesn't taste as good when you have no hope. I'll I'll just get something from the vending machine and fantasize that my coworkers are competent. (laughs) And then he says, let's see. What goes well with unrealistic (laughs) worldview? So, one of the things about beginner's mind is that it means letting go of our fixed views, letting go of our fixed world views. This is a little humorous example from Sylvia Boorstein. Um, it's in the Awakening Joy book, in case you want to read more about it. Um, but basically, Sylvia was uh, meeting a friend. Sylvia Borstein's a meditation teacher. She's um, wonderful. She's in her 70s. And um, she was um, in New York City. She lives in California, spirit rock teacher. And she um, is in New York City. And she's going to meet a friend for theater. And uh, she took a bus instead of a taxi. And the bus is moving really slowly. So she gets off the bus. And, of course, the bus now passes her, and she's in the street, and it's winter, and the wind is blowing, and she's wearing high heels. So she's late to meet her friend. So she starts running down Broadway in New York City in the winter, in high heels, at age 71, to meet a friend, to go to the theater. And so she starts, you know, having this view of, like, Oh my, I can't believe I'm doing this. I should have taken a taxi. Yada yada. And all of a sudden, beginner's mind shows up, and she says to herself, "Huh. Wow, I sh- I I could be proud of this. I mean, I hope everyone sees me. Here's a 71-year-old woman racing down the street in high heels in the winter on Broadway Avenue." So it was like this shift. It occurred <coughs> to her instead of sitting there going, "Oh, I should have taken a taxi." getting kind of caught a view, and I didn't do it right, to, wow, look at me. This is pretty amazing that I, I'm still capable of doing this. Actually, I've never been capable of running in the but I'm walking. But, so there is the most wonderful way to help living beings overcome grief and sorrow and pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness that way is the establishment of mindfulness, the Buddha. A moment of mindfulness is always a moment of freedom, Sylvia Burstein. Jack Hornfield says, mindfulness does not reject experience. It lets experience be the teacher. Learn to trust mindfulness as we enter the difficulties of our lives. Like the Buddha in the thick of the forest, we find healing and freedom. And the Buddha invites us to let go, letting go clinging, freedom from the thicket of views. So what is beginner's mind? Abbess Blanche Hartman describes it this way, based on Suzuki's Roshi's teaching. Suzuki Roshi is the one that developed this term, beginner's mind, from his practice. That's my understanding. It is the mind that is innocent of preconceptions, and expectations, and judgments and prejudices. So it's innocent of these preconceptions. Beginner's mind is just present to explore, to observe, to see things as they are. This is as it is. Beginner's mind is a mind that faces life like a small child, full of curiosity, wonder, and amazement. Wonder, what is it? I wonder, what does this mean? I wonder, what is this? Meditation is above all intimacy with oneself. The struggle within meditation is not to block out thoughts, detach, or make yourself calm. The challenge is to tolerate the intensity of intimacy. When researchers ask Americans what they most desire in life, what do you think men and women say? They say a close and lasting intimate relationship. We find that same craving in people who come, perhaps all of you, when we come to meditation. What is it that we're desiring? Why why do we come to study meditation? They seek more intimacy with life and have a hunch that contact with their inner essence is the foundation of all outer relationships to suffuse our bodies and hearts with loving energy and then take it out into the world. We start to suspect what enlightenment really is, a full body deeply relational state of love. Meditation is loving attention, and loving attention is meditation. So this quality of bringing that freshness like a child, um, Blanche tells a little story um, um, about having lunch with one of the children at the <coughs> Center in San Francisco. And she got to the table and she saw this young child pick up this object and begin to put it in his mouth and look at it. and. And just start to explore and feel it and play with it, and and uh, banging with it, and and then we look at it and we say, it's just a spoon, it's used for soup. You know, it's just to me. It suddenly struck me funny. It's like you know that open curiosity that we see often in young children, where they don't they don't have the labels. They don't have the the overlay of concept—they're just direct with the experience. And when we're around that energy, it's just so—it's like it, our mind's open. You know, we start to see in in that new, fresh way. And we we don't just see spoon soup. You know, who knows? This this the spoon is a drumming instrument. The spoon becomes other than—it's not a spoon. It's something other than that. So it's that question of what is it? Can we look at our lives in such a way? Can we look at all the aspects of our lives with this mind? Just open and see what's there to see. I don't know about you, she says, but I have a hard time doing that. I have a lot of habits of mind, I think most of us do. And I agree with that. I think that that's part of the reason I chose to talk about Beginner's Mind, because so often, you know, we're lost in our thoughts, our worries, our problems, we're, we're preoccupied. And, and it's that wakeful energy of mindfulness and that freshness of beginner's mind. It's, it's actually a practice. It's not just a state, it's a practice to, to bring that freshness. I find I experience that most actually in working, in my work as a therapist with clients or when I'm teaching and working with students. I find that that when I have preconceived notions, I'm not as present. You know, if I have some idea of what I think this person <laughs> needs, or if, if I'm really deeply listening, it opens us both to the mystery. And I'm going to read something in a little while from Corfield about that, who says it even more clearly. Um, I also had an opportunity recently at the end of the semester. Um, I teach a course on. Um, Integrative psychotherapy and another one on happiness. And uh, I read all these student journals. I read about 25 journals between the two classes that they kept on their meditation practice that they required as part of the class. And I mean, I was just reading this, I'm like, I was having envy arise of their beginner's mind. I mean, some people who had never meditated before even thought i don't know about this meditation stuff and i don't know if it goes with my religious beliefs and suddenly they're having these these moments of freshness and really being present in the shower and while they're driving and you know just just enjoying you know, one woman described eating her Milky Way bar and having a Satori experience, you know, the caramel. And I thought, god, Milky, she could do that with a Milky Way? So you know, very, very inspiring. Sometimes a tear would come down my eye. I was just so inspired reading, reading these journals. You know, and people that say, you know, are struggling, like most of us, you know, I don't know what meditation is. I don't know how to meditate, but I'm having these moments. Being more present and aware and awake in my life. We all want to be somebody who knows something. Is there anybody here that would like to be someone that doesn't know, that's not wise, that doesn't have knowledge? If there is love, well, we'll bow at your feet. <laughs> so we all want to be the one who knows. Yet we lose something very vital in our life, when it's more important us, to us to be the one who knows than it is to be awake to what's happening. We get disappointed because we expect one thing and it doesn't happen quite that way. Not knowing is most in- infinite. Not knowing is most infinite. There's a story about one uh, one of the um, Zen uh, wise monks, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, who was going on a pilgrimage? And back in those days in China, going on a pilgrimage was mountains and rivers and no roads and not knowing where you're going and and you know wandering. And and this particular monk, when they asked him where was he going on his pilgrimage, he said, "I don't know." And the story goes that that kind of not knowing, I'm just going to be present with what's happening, is the deepest kind of intimacy. The mind that's not already made up, the mind that's just investigating, open to whatever occurs, curious, seeking, but not with expectation or grasping, Beginner's mind is just being there, observing, and seeing what occurs. Intimacy. When our mind is somehow turned from its preoccupation with acquisition, which is so prevalent in our society these days, acquiring material goods, acquiring knowledge, being one who knows, getting, it's endless. As Stephen Batchelor says, and alone with others, this horizontal dimension of having or getting or acquiring just sometimes goes on and on, doesn't it? You know, it's always what's the next thing. Come on, how many of you have the new iPhone and uh, you know, it's like there's always the next thing. It's insatiable. There's never enough. But sometimes something will turn or transform our attention From this dimension of having, accumulating, and acquiring, to the dimension of being, what is that? What is it to be human? What is this life? What am I? How shall I manifest this life now? This becomes the great matter. What is intimacy? Becoming intimate with yourself, no gap. No ideas about who this or what this is. (coughs) Excuse me. But just being one, right here, complete and whole, undivided. (coughs) This is to know our original nature. Excuse me. A friend of mine recently had a surgery, and I, she wrote an email just the other day, and I got permission from her to share what she wrote. I thought it was very profound, and I told her I was giving a talk and that I wanted to um, share what she, what she wrote. Please appear. So essentially, she she had had this um, surgery and uh, was in a very you know it's a very tender place. And, uh, here it is. She says major surgery is quite an ordeal. However, it also simplifies simplifies and reduces living into sharper focus, doesn't it? It's all about the teeny, tiny, daily indications of healing and being alive, the pulse of every moment. And every moment is integrative on a profound and subtle level. I wrote my first gratitude list while in the hospital. Now the journey appears get intimate with my new hip joint, and stay in touch with gratitude. That's it, really. I get to do this. Those teeny tiny daily (coughs) indications of healing and being alive, the pulse of every moment, every moment is integrative on a profound and subtle level. And I'm going to share this from Jack Cornfield. Release opinions. Free yourself from views. Be open to the mystery. Cornfield says people who come to Buddhist practice hope that it will help them with the ordinary sufferings of their lives. And often it will. But there's a deeper current that flows through the Buddhist teachings I do not just want to help them solve their problems, he says. I want to find a moment with each person where their mind stops and their eyes open. I want to be together as if we were lying in a field on the underside of the earth on a clear summer night held only by the magnet of gravity, looking down into the bottomless sea of stars to remember the beauty all around us. That type of intimacy, that way of being present. When I spoke earlier about that being more available and working with others, it's that kind of quality where we open to the mystery together, and the, the person's wisdom arises. A little bit more, I'd like to share tonight. I was on a self retreat uh, recently around around the New Year holiday, and. Uh, um, it took a while for the mind to settle, and the hermitage that I was in was in the woods. And I would look out my window. They put a bay window in this hermitage. It was really cool. <laughs> so the bay window just looked out into the forest, which was how great is that? And so I get to watch these trunks of trees, you know, just as you know, as the light changes. And uh, the weather got warm for a couple days, and then um, there'd be these moments where, like, you know, there was all the snow on the branches, and something would melt off, and 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 there was this moment. It felt that beginner's mind, like I was looking, and suddenly it was like I didn't. I was like, what is this? There was suddenly these ex- little explosions, little puffs, where suddenly a piece would just. Fly off one of the branches and just go, you know, like, like you might blow one of those milkweed pods. It would just sort of, and I don't think I've ever seen it quite do that. And it was happening like, you know, there's all these trees there, and every now and then there's a, Pow, 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 you know, it's like, wow. <sighs> you know, it was that that quality, that freshness. And, and it's like my mind for a moment, like, didn't know what is this. And, and so I, fortunately, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I noticed it. Um, this is by John Kabat-Zinn. Um, More than anything else, I've come to see meditation as a radical act of love, an inward gesture of benevolence and kindness towards ourselves and towards others. A gesture of the heart that recognizes our perfection, even our obvious imperfection, with all its shortcomings, wounds, our attachments, vexations, and our persistent habits of unawareness. In fact, um, Pema Children was saying, uh, I was reading, it was really helpful to me when I was on retreat. I would just open up some Pema Children when I'd feel kind of Stuck or negative, and uh, or had a hard time concentrating, and she says that you know so often we think of the spiritual path as a mountain, like you know we're going to get to that peak, and and we're going to stay there right forever and be enlightened and be at the top of the mountain. Well, actually, she said it's 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 like the mountain is facing down into the ocean, and that it's when we go down in in we get intimate. With our direct experience, our suffering, our pain. She says, Well, what about everyone else's suffering, too? You know, when we really get intimate and we go to the deep bottom, that's where the, the water of life is. That's where the bodhicitta is. That's where the enlightened nature resides. It's not uh, a spiritual bypass, it's not a disconnect, it's not becoming anything other than we are. It's right here. Right now, with it all, so it's like that intimacy. So I realize, you know, when we sit, what happens? Anybody get all bliss and light all the time? Okay. You're sitting there, and your stuff comes up, and things keep rising and floating up to the surface to be seen, to be with, to be held. And the more we learn to just not judge, to rest in that awareness, to just hold that with, with this kind attention. You know, it, 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 That integration happens, that intimacy, that capacity to really be with things as they are. Henry Nguyen, is that how you say his name? Nguyen or Newen? Nguyen? No. Nguyen. Um He died um, fairly suddenly and unexpectedly of a heart attack in his early 60s. And at the retreat center I was at, there were a couple books in the Hermitage, and one of them was his sabbatical journey of the last year of his life. And I had come to that retreat center many years previously, and I remember picking him up. I had never heard of him. And he was a Christian philosopher, mystic, uh, writer, um, very beautiful, deep man. And he really understood what inquiry was, that practice of inquiry, of really that beginner's mind, that intimacy of just being curious and open. Um, that inquiry is one of the factors of awakening that the Buddha talks about. It's that just, what is this? Hmm. And it was really interesting, because apparently he struggled with depression. And one of his dearest friends wrote about um, Nawan that suffering was his gift. That suffering was his gift. And that in his journal, he talked about being very intimate. He had this intimacy with people. He would enjoy things. He'd have dinner with friends. He had these amazing experiences in the last year of his life. He traveled. He also had time of more solitude. And he. He also noticed in his mind that some depression would arise, some pain, some suffering. And he wasn't sure in the way that he met it. was, hmm, what is this? Oh, this is like this. It was so simple and beautiful. And I thought there was no judgment there. It's not like, oh, I'm Henry Nguyen. I write all these spiritual books. I teach. I do all this stuff. I should be free from suffering. There was no self-judgment. It was like he accepted that that was something that visited him. That was something that would arise. And he was intimate with it by just acknowledging it.
2: And that is how the intimacy
1: comes. It's it's, it's like we really need to acknowledge it. We need to recognize what our fixed views are. If we're not willing to look and see where where we get caught, then we then we can't see through it we can, we're not really being with it we can't wish that stuff away you know and also we might not see it so clearly so we just what are destined to repeat it I, I'm working with someone um, some folks in my practice that you know it, it there I was weeping with one of them because I've, I've, I've known them for some time and they were starting to have some openings around one of their deepest, Patterns of how they see themselves. Um, Blanche um, Hart, um, uh, the abbess um, Hartman, was saying that she noticed she had this outsider pattern. And I thought, wow, I really resonate with that. You know, somehow I don't belong. You know, you go into a room, she's been at the Zen Center for years, she goes to the door to let someone in. And then she thinks, "Oh, they think I'm, I'm an insider. They think I'm someone that belongs here, more or less." And she realized that for years, since a young child, she's always felt like she's an outsider, and it's an identity that she carried with her. I mean, how many of us carry these identities? Oh, I'm like this, or this is how it is, and we don't even realize that it's so close to us. It's like a, there's like a membrane there. We can't we can't see. So actually, when we sit in practice. We can go down to those deeper levels, and we can wake up. Or we can have Dharma brothers and sisters that can reflect that back to you. Oh, oh, so that not belonging's coming up again. Oh, that's what that is. Not self. So. And we can suffer less. I'm going to wind down here. Um, I'd like to share, close with a couple poems so that we have some time for discussion. I'm going to read part of, just since it's getting late, I'm just going to read part of Mary Oliver's poem, When Death Comes, and see if you can discover the beginner's mind and the intimacy of her poem. I think I have to read the whole thing. When death comes, when death comes like the hungry bear in autumn, When death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut, when death comes like measle pox, when death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades, I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what's it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood. I look upon everything as no more than an idea. And I consider eternity as another possibility. I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular. And each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending as all music does, towards silence. And each body a lion of courage, something precious, the earth. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I want to find myself sighing. And frightened or full of argument, I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Bride of amazement. Beginner's. It seems that through the bareness of being we refresh our openness and enliven our innate connection to the one living sense. And this is our authenticity as human beings. This capacity to just perceive, to be present, intimate, beginner's mind. This is called quiver. Mark Nepo is a poet, a writer, a teacher, and someone who is a cancer survivor. And this is his entry for January 3, 2011. It's called Quiver in his blog, his poem of the year, first one. In the early light, complete stillness. In the snow, two remaining leaves. At first I think their quiver is because of a small wind. But watching dawn creep toward us, I realize they are trembling because of the light. Nothing else moves. I watch long enough to remember that it is bowing to the sun during our night that brings the day. <coughs> I stop, put down my growing list, and all, the wor- all I work toward, it isn't day yet. But the ground, the snow, the broken limbs are coming alive, though nothing moves. Mm -hmm. There is a forest inside that has its seasons, where everything grows by bowing to light. Why don't I practice this bowing? Now it is day, and things are beginning to move. Squirrels, cars, the furnace is coughing, the coffee is perking. And I don't know what it is we need. I don't know what it is we need to work toward or to bow and quiver. Thank you, everyone, for being open to your deep listening. And I'd like to open up. We have uh, maybe um, five, eight minutes before announcements and metta, loving kindness. Any comments or questions? Um, I still feel like I have a harness on. (laughs) Any any thoughts you have you want to share? Or you're just in don't know mind and we're all awake together. The Center for Spiritual Healing. It's called uh, Emotional Healing and Happiness. He's yeah. yeah. James Barra's book, Awakening Joy.
0: Yeah.
2: You're not going to treat retreat or I mean, mm-hmm. I've had, I had one experience where I went on a three day retreat. Um,
1: three day or 30 day? 30. 30 mm-hmm. Month long retreat.
2: retreat. But, um, yeah, and, and about a week later, two thirds of the way through, there was a period of a few days when I was in so much terror um, that i have never been, uh, well, that's not true. But not the same kind of country. Mm-hmm. Um, much more benign, like the Haunted retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, I don't know, um, it, and maybe now I would just have the you know, wisdom or not wisdom, even, but experience, maybe, to just be able to say, oh, look, I'm here. But, mm-hmm at the time and often I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of a disincentive. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it's so powerful. And it, um, the only way I could get out of it was to um, like to not show up for the sit and to call a friend long distance and have like a
1: completed phenomenon. Can I ask a question? Did you yeah. have Teachers? Did you have guides there? Or were you? Yeah. So there were people available to let, get the support. or teach?
2: Well, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have to say, it's a um, it, it's a tradition that is sort of founded on volatility, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't a lot. As I now realize in retrospect, um, there wasn't a lot of trust. So there were teachers
1: there, but I didn't trust them. But <laughs> well, so 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 your comment is like well, about our question. I
2: guess
1: my question is when when the deep terror comes up. Uh huh. What are you supposed to do? Well, well, how many of us have sat, whether it's. In a sit or on a retreat, or maybe you haven't even sat, just been in our lives and have felt fear, perhaps even terror, you know, arise.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, um, you know, what? How do you how do you meet it? How do you be with it? How, what are your and what are your skillful means? It sounds like you figured yeah. out a skillful means. That it was it was overwhelming. It was too much. You didn't feel trust to the teachers. You didn't have the support um, or the capacities, you know, available. You know, we we work to our edge of our practice, and um, maybe the container didn't have enough safety or there was enough skill. You know, it it a 30-day retreat is a chunk of time, you know, and so a lot can come up and. Those kinds of fears. So, like, what what are some ways? I think, you know, for you, the choice to, well, you know, um, I'm I'm not able to be present with this. I need to call a friend and do something to get more support. Was what you know arose for you? You know, that could be really wise. Um, so, I think it depends. Do do other people any other comments on that, or or do you, another question is okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I experience quite a bit of um, anxiety mm-hmm. during crashes and in daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the beginning, I did have to kind of get up and you know, catch from from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while before I think I was able to meet it with some inquiry mm-hmm. and investigate really, you know, what the feeling was and breathe deep with it. And then I found that the more I could do that, the quicker those, those um, times passed, mm-hmm. where I was so anxious. Mm-hmm. And now now I kind of just see it when it comes up. I can see it as, oh, here's, here's this anxiety again. And I kind of mm-hmm. know it will pass. Um, mm-hmm. So breathing, I think what helped me most is learning mm-hmm. to breathe. With it, be with it, and not buy into the mental um, gibberish that comes with anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know that I, I, can't do this. I won't be okay. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just realize that's all part of the, yeah. uh, the talk that anxiety comes with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. So that that's a wonderful, beautiful sharing of of. You know, and of that that intimacy, you know, of really being with, working with it, and again, you know, there's times where where we cannot keep our seat, and we we, we need more support, and um, and we we need, we, you know, if it's overwhelming, I mean, I know in my times of intensive retreat, especially early on, you know, when when you're don't have much experience going those longer distances, you know, it's kinda like a marathon or you know, and you hit the wall and you're like, boy. and you know, and I remember my teacher saying, you know, you know, you know, take a cup of tea, you know. So, you know, it's like I took a lot of cup cups of tea, you know, and just took a break. I mean, I've been on long retreats and, you know, you see people, you know, and somebody's laid out on the grass. Just take it in the sun, you know. You know, it's time. You know, you just—it's how do you find a balance and work with your capacity, and and it really helps to have guides that you can trust, people who know your practice. And then we learn, we become our own teacher. Oh yeah, this is what I need to do that the balance the writing now. Oh, okay, now I know what it feels like. So, um, one more um, question or thought before we. Yeah, you mentioned the word concentrating over
0: That you weren't able to concentrate through a whole other book. Um I I have a year's mind all this, mm-hmm. but to me concentrating really hard, like I feel like I'm always concentrating on something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe it was just other words you should but am I wrong
1: The well, letting go of everything else is a concentrated moment, you know? I mean, really, I mean, it's kind of both. And actually, the concentration, there's different kinds of concentration. There's that kind of samadhi, one-pointed, you know, focused concentration. There's more of, there's different momentary concentrated concentration where you're just aware of things, yet the mind has a certain quality of concentration. So, So it's a complex question, but I think what you're talking about is like, you know, it's not necessarily like this, and, and it, it, it can be when there's some concentration in the mind, we're more able to be present. And so if that's our practice, is, is that returning again and again and being present. And that actually is a concentration, builds concentration, because you're developing the capacity to connect and sustain the attention. That That's the mindfulness. Um, one of the aspects of mindfulness. So, so we develop that that capacity, and in that there's a letting go. There's a letting go of other things. There's a noticing when we've been lost, and 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 it is difficult. Um, and and it's a it's a a, a kind of a, it's often referred to as mind training in the Tibetan. I mean, we're, it's the practice of being awake and aware, and the habit, energy. Is so the the thing is is what's happening in your practice is actually a (coughs) wonderful insight moment when we start to see how much we're gone like I'm asleep most of my life that's actually the insight the first awareness I am there's no there's not mindfulness in that moment you're mindful and there's you have enough concentration in your mind to notice it so don't worry about getting too concentrated or trying to do it perfectly. And on my retreat, I was I was doing a looser kind of retreat. I wasn't doing an intensive. Um, I was in silence, but I wasn't I wasn't doing just a full-on sit walk sit walk. I was doing a, a, a combo of things on my retreats. Okay, we need to finish tonight with some loving kindness. Thank you for your questions. I wish you well in your practice. So let's dedicate the the merits, Any, any benefit from our practice this evening, our sharing, our time together, may it go to the benefit and awakening of all sentient beings, including ourselves, just as we wish for ourselves to be well, happy, and peaceful, free from suffering, I wish this for all sentient beings everywhere, everyone here, those near and dear to me, and feel free to bring family and friends, parents, grandchildren, children, relatives, neighbors and co workers, those known and unknown we share our lives with and then out into this world so much greed hatred war delusion bringing to mind those places of so much suffering in our hearts and in the world may we all know true peace happiness and freedom Thank you everyone. Let's see if there's any announcements tonight. Is there are there some announcements? Uh, classes coming up or anything? Yes, yes.
0: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit DharmaSeed.org slash donate.